The truth isn't there's no time like the present. The truth is there's no time but the present. This is the only time. There is only now. And so if you have the call to be or do or experience or create something new and different in your life, the only time to do it is now. And in today's episode, I am going to show you how. This is the Lady Quest podcast, and I am Ariel Kylie. And this podcast is for you, intuitive, self aware women who know that you have a big purpose here on earth. Does that sound like you? Something that feels deeply meaningful to you that you want to do, create, experience, or pursue in this life. So, our topic today is about choosing to start now and the illusion of ready. So I believe that the impulse to try something, to start something, the impulse indicates that this is the right time to begin. And if you instead keep waiting to feel ready, that time might never come. I used to work with a woman, she was in her 70s, and she was a writer. And she once referenced the movie Citizen Kane and said she had a few what she called rosebud moments in her life that she let pass by. And in Citizen Kane, a rosebud moment is kind of like this moment of innocence, of openness and innocence and possibility. And from the vantage point of her 70s, my client referenced several very specific times throughout her life where opportunity had presented itself. One time in her 40s where she had the opportunity to take a job as a writer and other specific times where reality cracked open and she could have come into this more heartfelt longing in herself and activate the life she really wanted to be living but she never walked through those doors. And in her 70s, she realized she had forfeited the life she really wanted to be living because she didn't dare start in those moments. And I get it. The impulse to do something different can almost feel painful, partly because if you do step forward, you don't know what's going to happen. And if it really matters to you, It might hurt even more if it doesn't work out the way you hope it'll work out. I've mentioned before that I'm on a fertility journey working to make a baby with my husband. For a while, I didn't even dare admit that I wanted a baby because I knew I was in my late 30s going into my 40s and the fear of admitting it and owning it And not being able to do it was so strong that I didn't even want to admit it. And I didn't want to go to the doctor and find out what was going on with my fertility. I just didn't even want to know because it felt really important to me. When I overcame that and went to the doctor and got the information and started to take action on all the things I can do to improve my fertility and make it possible to have a baby... I got such a different perspective on how I felt before I started 
It's suddenly just my life now to be figuring it out. It's not that big of a deal. And also that people in my life know I'm trying to have a baby and I don't have one yet. So what? It's just a fact. It happens to people all the time. It's not a reflection on my value or my health or anything. But I really had to get into the process to get that perspective. And I will admit that in the beginning, it was fucking hard. Like so much of my value up until this time in my life has been determined by the male gaze, has been determined by how attractive I appear to be, which in my mind, I linked to youthfulness and fertility. So there was a dying of a self-concept that had to happen for me to shift into seeing myself still as beautiful, still as attractive, and also being later in my fertile years. But here's the really cool thing about saying yes and choosing to start now, choosing to take action on a calling, is it's this call to growth that's kind of like Joseph Campbell's call to adventure. When you say yes, it's not just about getting to that end result. It's about saying yes to the learning and growth that's going to come of pursuing this thing. And I am so grateful that I've worked through a lot of my hangups about aging as a female before menopause. And I know there will be more, but I feel like I got a handle on it now in a way that I didn't have a few years ago. So speaking of call to adventure, I want to tell you the story of getting my first book written and published by a publisher. And I say first because I think I'll probably write and publish more books, but so far it's also my only one. So back when I was 25, I was hanging out with my friend Simone on the beach in Fire Island in New York. And we were just having like a loungy, lovely beach time. Sure, we may have smoked a little reefer. We probably were eating sweaty cheese on the beach because we liked things like cheese plates. And we loved at the time going out and meeting men and flirting and just feeling ourselves out in the city. And I rolled over and said to Simone, you know what makes men really smitten with you? And she said, what? And I said, when you tell them just kind of some like private, secret, under the surface thought that usually you wouldn't say in small talk. It just makes them so intrigued. And she laughed and she was like, oh, totally. And she said, oh, you know what else makes them smitten with you? And then she said something. And then we just got laughing. And I said something and she said something. And by the end of our beach hang, we had come up with a handful of flirtation techniques that were totally atypical. They weren't the usual, like the rules kind of flirtation techniques that are about manipulating a man to like you. They were actually about being free and open and silly and playful and real and having that cause someone to be into you. And in that moment, we said, we should write a book 
because this information isn't out there. We should write a book. Now, if we had looked objectively at ourselves at that time and age, we would have said this is a terrible time to write a book. We had no platform. Neither of us had professions. I was waitressing at the time. We weren't established in anything. We just were self-proclaimed flirtation experts. And we thought this message should be out there. So and instead of saying, oh, this is silly and just letting it go once the high wore off, we went back to the city, we busted out the whiteboard, and we started mapping out the book, Smitten the Way of the Brilliant Flirt, which wound up getting published eight years later. Okay, we thought we we thought we would just crank that book out in a month, we'd get a publisher, and oh, we would just be published. We were quite naive, which I think worked to our advantage. But what I want to note here is that that urge was the call to adventure. And the adventure we took writing that book was amazing. We couldn't possibly have known the amount of roadblocks we went through. Like, First, we wrote the proposal, which was a whole thing to figure out itself. A book proposal is basically when you make this really formal document that's a pitch as to why this book could be successful in the marketplace. So we made a proposal. We did a photo shoot of us looking kind of serious and sexy in business attire. And we sent it out to all the agents we could find in the Book of New York Agents. And we actually got an agent. And he was excited about it. He thought it had potential, but he shopped it around for a little while. And eventually he just like stopped calling us and stopped returning our calls. So we thought, oh, we're all set. We have an agent. This is going to happen. We'll get a advance and then we'll write the book. But no, we got the agent. He couldn't sell it. And then he would not even answer our calls to tell us we weren't working together anymore in order to find out and confirm it so we could decide to, what to do to move on. I had to call him from a California number that he didn't recognize. I called him from a Beverly Hills number. I'm like, motherfucker's going to pick up a call from Beverly Hills. And he did. And I was like, oh, it's Ariel Kylie. And he's like, oh, and I was like, dude, like no hard feelings, but can you just let us know if you're still representing our book so we can know what to do next? And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you can move on. I released the project. After that, we spent five years writing and rewriting the book and also growing up. Simone became a psychotherapist. I became a yoga teacher and yoga therapist. And by the time we finished the book, because we decided we wanted to finish it and make sure we knew it worked before we tried to sell it again, we had done so much growing. The process of writing a book, of co-writing a book, of editing it together, and of putting ourselves out there, trying to get representation, just meant there was so much growth that I could never have gotten from anything else. She wound up having a agent's assistant in her pottery class gave her the proposal this woman loved it showed it to the partner agent we got new agents within like six months i think they sold it to our publisher chronicle and a year later it was published like i said the whole process took about eight years 
And the climax of it really was when we got that advance because through all those years where we were writing it and working on it and our first agent dropped us and we didn't know what would happen, we just kept saying, when we get our advance, we're going straight to the Bahamas. And Simone had done all this research to find this amazing little island in the Bahamas called Harbor Island that has pink sands and nothing commercial, no chains. You just rent a little house on the beach and you go to the Piggly Wiggly grocery store and it's just like the most beautiful, special island. And then when we got that advance, we just booked our tickets and we went. And riding the motorboat taxi to that island and getting out and renting our our golf cart and driving to our little house that was called Lavender Hill and spending a week doing the final edits on the book and partying on that island made it all worth it. It was a dream come true. And then hilarious things happened after. Like we hired a publicist, Lizzie Grubman, who originally got famous from hanging out with Paris Hilton out in the Hamptons and like mowing over a crowd of people outside of a nightclub in the Hamptons with her Escalade. Thankfully, no one died, but she was like an iconic New York party girl. And then she was our PR agent, which was quite a trip itself. So we worked with her. We wound up doing a radio tour. We did a spot on CNN. We did all these really interesting, different, just promotional events. And ultimately, even though we made $20,000 as an advance for the book, the book never sold enough copies to make us money beyond that. And also by the time it came out, both of us had moved on into other parts of our life so much and had independent and separate things we wanted to do that the motivation really wasn't there to keep promoting it and really doing the work we needed to do to make it popular. And you know what? It was all 100% worth it. That impulse on the beach in Fire Island was a call to adventure. And choosing to say yes right then and go for it turned into the adventure of a lifetime. So like I said before, when you have the impulse, don't get hung up about the end. The impulse is now for a reason. The impulse is the call to grow. The impulse is the call to adventure. And you have no idea what's going to happen on that journey if you don't say yes. And circling back to the idea of being afraid, being afraid of trying, being afraid of being criticized. I think of that quote by Brene Brown when she said, if you're not in the arena also getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. There's something about being a person who's out there doing things, who's out there trying to live a life of meaning. You're in a different arena. And when you're on this side, the people who criticize or nitpick or judge, it's just kind of like not that interesting. I actually think there's a lot less ass kicking that happens when you do your thing in the world than people fear. I find when I'm open and real and trying to do something important to me, what I actually get is so much love and so much connection. And I make new friends and new professional opportunities arise. 
and I feel more respect from people. That's the actual experience. So I've got to bring this all back to an invitation to you, of course. And my invitation to you is to consider what starting now would look like for you. That thing you really want to do, create, experience, be, what would it look like to start now, to start today, even in a small way, to dip your toe in? And when the excuses arise of why you can't and time and blah, 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 really ask yourself, is that true? And if my life depended on it, is there a way I could work around that or figure that out? Because your life sort of does depend on it. All right, it is getting very warm in this closet. I am seated in my makeshift podcast booth here in Los Angeles. So I'm going to bid you adieu. And I'm sending a big old yes now to you over the airwaves. Hey, if you like this podcast, you will love the LadyQuest program. Join my newsletter through the link in the episode description if you want to learn more about LadyQuest, my one-on-one coaching work, and get invited to free transformational workshops I teach on a regular basis online. Also, if you want to make my day, you could leave a five-star review for this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of my world, and I look forward to being with you again very soon.